This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as all our people at home are joining with us at our campuses and Stevens Point and the Fox Valley. Let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us this morning at Celebration Church. Again, good morning to those over in uh, uh, the Fox Valley who just joined us. And Stevens Point, you guys have been with us the entire time. For those of you who are new to our church over there, uh, typically the entire service isn't connected via video, although nowadays most services are. (laughs) Most people are watching Actually, it does feel kind of good because when we first started doing these television connections, so many people gave us a hard time about, you can't preach via video. Now the whole world's preaching via video. It's just ahead of my time, baby. So anyway, but uh, Pastor Bob and his wife and I think some of the musicians all got COVID this last week. So they're all home recuperating, pray for them. Uh, The good news, I mean, a lot of people are getting this. The good news is most, it's rather mild. Uh, there are those who do get it very severely sick, and we want to pray for those. Remember those? Uh, God answers prayer, all right? So pray. Don't just panic and freak. Pray. And say, well, what can we do about it? Well, people are trying to do all kinds of things about it. Uh, everywhere Now, everywhere, just about people are wearing masks. Interestingly, the thing is still spiking out of control. I would say I don't think the one has much to do with the other, but you can work that out in your own brain. Uh, but, I mean, it's just going around. It is what it is, and... Uh, One of the reasons you want to live by faith, trust God. You need to trust God. Pastors, pastor, what if I die trusting God? You don't want to die not trusting God. All right. So just trust God to get you through it all. Anyway, so that's whether normally you have your own musicians and pastor stuff, and then we connect just during the sermon here and then back. So you guys at the point, you're stuck with us the whole service, but we're glad that you're here with us. Uh, my lovely wife, Deanna. Hello, Deanna. She's not here today. She and her sister, Danelle, are in Phoenix, Arizona this morning, spending time with family and friends while I suffer alone at home <laughs> in the cold. 
Ah, poor me. Uh, we have a special guest this morning. We're very happy to see Pastor Lathan Duncan is visiting. Let's have him stand up. You guys in point and Fox Valley, you can't see him, but he's here. And uh, he's not just a, a ghost. He's actually here. All right. Uh, and this week on Thursday is my birthday. Yes. It's also Thanksgiving. It is, in fact, why they call it Thanksgiving. So, uh, so you're going to do any big special celebration? No. No. Birthdays are really exciting when you're six. <laughs> Not so much when you're in your 60s. Although I did have a great experience last night. Went to uh, dinner with my son, Phil, and my oldest grandson, Parker. And I got up... Uh, from the restaurant, whatever, and, and to go try and find the restroom, I kind of get lost, I didn't know where it was at. And uh, it's a place that Phil goes to fairly regularly, and all of a sudden I hear this voice saying, Phil, Phil. I turned around, and the waitress is going, it's over there. And I smiled. <laughs> Went back to the table, and I said, apparently you look like a 60-some-year-old man. <laughs> and I thought, wait a minute, I look like a 40-something-year-old man. That's the good news. Praise the Lord. All right. So uh, this morning, uh, before we go into our message, we want to take our offering. We do this virtually now. We're doing everything virtually now. Uh, and that is uh, you can take out your phone, take out your cell phones now, and send a text to the following number, 77977. That's the number, 77977. In the message, you will type CCWI, which stands for Celebration Church Wisconsin, and then the dollar amount and send it, and it's all done automatically. We appreciate you continuing to help uh, those at our campuses as well as here. If you want, you can actually give on the way out. There'll be ushers with, with buckets if you want to do it that way. Some are mainly in their offerings. We do want to thank you for continuing to support the church during this very difficult time. A lot of churches have taken a big financial hit during this season. A lot of lower level pastors. I'm, they don't matter, <laughs> but you know, the system pastors have been laid off in church. A lot of these guys don't have jobs now. Uh, and I'm just so thankful that our church has maintained our financial standing all year long. And, uh, and I want to thank you for that. You guys have been great. All right. Enough of all that. Continuing. We, uh, today is the final Sunday of the Christian calendar. It is called uh, Christ the King Sunday. Next Sunday is actually the beginning of the Christian calendar where we celebrate, it's the first Sunday of Advent, where we celebrate the coming of the Christ child. So the Christian calendar is a little different than the, than the regular calendar. So this is actually the wrap of, of the year of last year on, on this Sunday, where we talk and celebrate uh, Jesus being the king, uh, the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is, by the way, a true kingdom. It is not a democracy. We in this country live in a democracy where people have the say and, and we battle back and forth and it gets a little crazy at times. Uh, John Mock was here. He's a representative. He just won re-election. God bless him. Good job. And uh, John and I have had more than one frustrating conversation <laughs> about the state of politics today. Uh, it's a little nuts. Uh, it's messy, it's ugly, 
But in a way, it's supposed to be. Our founding fathers uh, were brilliant at an incredible level in the way they set up the government in this country, the best government on earth, and the way they have these, it's called checks and balances. No one group really gets to just shove their opinion down the throats of the rest of the country. It's designed to keep things in check. Things drift one way or the other, I get that, uh, but uh, it's really designed to keep things uh, in balance, if you will. You have, the, uh, you have Congress, they're up for re-election every two years. We go through this nut stuff in every two years. Then you got the Senate. These guys uh, have a six-year term, longer than the president. The president's just four years. But so Congress and the Senate have to agree before it goes to the president. Then the president has to agree or it goes nowhere. There are so many rays, it cannot go anywhere. And by design, it really is. Unless there's enough agreement in the country, you know, people complain, well, the last, who knows how long, I mean, what was the last time we even had a budget, federal budget? Back in Obama, was his first term? Yeah, I mean, it's been forever, every year. There's, they're supposed to, by law, have a new budget every year. They can't even agree on that. So they have these continuing resolutions. Well, we'll just do the last one. We've been doing this forever. You know, it's crazy because they just, nobody can agree on anything today. But it's designed to be that way. If you can't agree, nothing happens. People complain, well, Congress isn't passing any laws. I say, praise the Lord. You know, because I think they're all a little nuts. I'd prefer that they not come up with anything new. My personal opinion. Uh, the, and the Senate, the Senate by itself is designed to give great power to the minority. Out of 100 senators, it only takes 40 to say, nah, and it can't go anywhere. Even the majority doesn't have total control. It's designed this way. Now, there's people who are frustrated by that. You know, a lot of people uh, on the far left are hoping that, you know, in this election, they would take total control and then they would eliminate the power of the 40 and pack the Supreme Court so they can't even have control because they have, that's the other thing. These guys can agree and the Supreme Court can go, nah. I mean, that's the way it works, you know. Now, the way people get around it, and it's a little frustrating, and I'm sure John would agree with me, because they can't pass the laws, then these unelected nitwits in these different uh, positions around the country come up with regulations. They're just like laws, but... They're not because they're not technically, nobody votes on them, so they kind of sneak around. And that's very frustrating. One of the best things I got to give Trump credit for is that he came in with an ax and destroyed almost all the regulations <laughs> that were on the books. Praise the Lord. It's, it's one of the reasons the economy exploded, you know, because you say, well, I didn't notice it because the regulations are really specific to certain groups of people and certain businesses and stuff. Once that gets lifted, then oh, I can breathe again, and they start going. And I'm sure now it'll start going the other way around. It's what happens. You know, even in that case, you can take it to court, and the Supreme Court can go, no, the whole thing is designed to slap down the other side. And people get upset about it. Relax. It's fine. They did it on purpose so that one side can't shove it down the throat of the other, even though some want that power, and I pray to God they never get it. Somebody say Amen. All right. It's where the people's voice really matters. It's a democracy. But we live in the kingdom of God. And it's not a democracy. The kingdom of God is not a democracy. It is a theocracy. Jesus is the king. What he says is the final say. Period. Doesn't matter what the senators think. <laughs> Doesn't matter what you think. Doesn't matter what I think. He is a king. Now, it's hard for us to relate to because we don't really understand kings. Say, well, Britain and stuff has a king. Yeah, 
they're not really kings and queens. They're just, you know, they're still controlled by the legislators and stuff like that. Very few places in, places in the world still have kings. And where they do, nobody messes with the king. He can do whatever he wants to do. And whenever a president gets into power, starts doing things, the other side always screams, he's acting like a king. They said that about Obama. They said it about Trump. They'll say this about whoever winds up next. Always, this is what they do. That's king. And you can tell in this country, we're not big fans of kings. We had a war where we shot each other, trying to get rid of the kings, and that's what we did. All right, so let's read a little bit. This is in Revelation, the 19th chapter, verse 11. That's where we start. Uh, he's having a vision of the future and, and uh, speaks in rather colorful terms and stuff like that. But this is the very end when Jesus comes back to finally bring all this insanity on earth to a stop. He says, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. He's talking about Jesus. With justice, he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses, and dressed in fine linen, white and clean, coming out of his mouth as a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He's going to bring all this insanity to an end. He will rule with an iron scepter, is the quote, because he is the king. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty on his robe and on his thigh. He has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Praise God. Amen. Now, not only is he a king, he is the king of kings. He is the ultimate authority in the universe. And here's the thing. As the king, his rulings and judgments are not up for debate. The king has the final say. And this is why we study the scriptures, to learn. What does God say? How are we supposed to live our lives? How are we supposed to conduct ourselves? What are we supposed to do? What are we not supposed to do? And all this thing, that's why we have these scriptures, so that we can understand what the king of eternity is saying to us. And with it come great blessings, as we look at in the last few weeks, talking about, boy, if you do this, man, I will bless you like crazy. If you don't, you're going to have a lot of problems. And that same thing is still true today. So wanting blessings, we want to find out what the king says so that we can be in the category of blessings and not in the bad side of life. Uh, now, one of the things I hear most often when people are telling me the message that they're in, and you can well imagine I hear all kinds of versions of it, uh, I'll, I'll challenge them and say, well, you know, the Bible says that you shouldn't do that. And overwhelmingly, the response I get is, I know, but, but I think it's okay. You think it's okay. It must be amazing to be you. Because no matter what God says, or what thousands of years of human history is recorded in the scriptures of how God deals with men and women in this earth, you, in your amazing brilliance, have come up with an alternative view of things. This is stunning to me. Now, probably because we're Americans and we're used to the minority having a big say, <laughs> but that doesn't happen in the kingdom of God. If you don't like what the Bible says, sucks to be you. I don't just tell you. You know? So well, I don't, I'm not going to do it. You don't have to do it. You don't really have to do anything. Nobody forces you to do anything. Well, do I have to pray? No. Should you pray? Yeah. Do I have to go to church? No. Should I? Yes. Do I have to read the Bible? No. Should you? Yes. I'm just okay. Nobody's forcing you to do anything. Anything that we do towards God is done voluntarily 
out of respect for the king. Now, there's a day coming, it's called Judgment Day, when those who've respected the king will be blessed. Those who have not are not going to be in a very good position. Um, and it's just stunning to me that we come up with our own. We know what is the right thing to do. We know what the scriptures say, but I know. That's what I'm talking about. We, we, no matter what we say, and I, I cry like that sometimes when I talk to these people, is that no matter what God says, but I think, but I think, but I think. And, you know, preachers have dealt with this forever. I saw this great little clip uh, the other day. I posted it on Facebook, but uh, I thought I'd play you this morning. Uh, this is called The Honest Preacher. Today's reading comes from the book of Proverbs. <laughs> Who's that look like? If I may digress for a moment from my prepared message, I mean it when I say to you, you guys, sometimes you're bad. Don't be jerks. You're supposed to be good. I'm in my office every day and somebody comes in and they're like, hey, whoops. I'm like, don't. Dan, what is your deal? If anybody doesn't know, Dan is the worst. I took a vow to not say who was the worst, but it's Dan. You guys are making me look bad in front of God. What's that? Oh, look, it's Jesus. And he said, stop it. The word of the Lord. <laughs> Clearly, he went to the Mark Gunger School of Theology, and, uh, and, and I, I, I look at that, and I just laugh. I watch it so many times, and man, it, I know exactly that feeling. Now, I would never publicly point out who's the worst, <laughs> though we all know it's Randy. I mean, there's no reason for me to say it, but... Uh, <laughs> now, in the old days of kings, if you went against the king's edict, they would most likely kill you. God doesn't do that, thankfully. But this is the power kings had. They didn't care what you said. And when you read, particularly in the Old Testament, during these kings and stuff, a lot of these guys would face death just because they disagreed with what the king said. They would crush you. They didn't care. Uh, we read stories like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if you know this story we talked about a few months ago, when these guys were thrown into the fiery furnace. Do you know why they were thrown into the fiery furnace? Because they didn't do what the king said. Daniel thrown into the lion's den. Why? Because he didn't do what the king said. This is over and over and over again. These guys had unlimited power. When you come against the king, and again, there's just a few countries that still have this, and even then, you live in great fear. You don't mess with the king. The king has the final say. Uh, and it is true in the kingdom of God. But here's the deal with, with our king. He's a very different kind of king. He is the final king, but he's a compassionate king. Now, earlier we read in Revelations where he's describing Jesus, and they said, he, uh, John wrote, he said, his name is the word of God. Uh, this is something that uh, he 
writes about in his gospel in 1 John, the first chapter, in the beginning was the Word. It's one of the ways they would refer to Jesus. Uh, the Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. We're going to start that next Sunday as we talk about Advent and Christ coming into the world. Here, the creator of the universe comes right down, lives with us, and nobody recognizes him. But for very, very few. I mean, how strange is that? So, uh, yet to all who did receive him, John writes, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent or of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. We've been born again. The word became flesh, talking about Jesus, and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. And in this case, he's a firsthand witness. It's, you know, these disciples have actually saw him. Uh, we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only true son who came from the father and describes Jesus as being full of grace and truth. So our king is a king who's full of grace and truth, two seemingly contradictory things. Truth is based on the rules. Rules are based on the truth. Truth exposes sin. The word of the king is truth. Forgiveness, on the other hand, is based on grace. Now, grace saves us when we disobey the truth. But grace never denies the truth. And that's where a lot of people make mistakes today. Uh, you know, we have the bar of what the Bible teaches. But it seems like people are lowering the bar and say, well, we, we believe in grace. Well, here's the thing. Grace never pulls down the bar. It, they're, they're not, they don't work against each other. Amazingly, they work together. Uh, rules about truth. Forgiveness is about grace. Um, and let me stop and, and throw in a parenthetical statement for those of you who even know what that means. But uh, uh, particularly to young people, we live in a culture today that hates the truth. They really hate it. Any kind of moral truth, they cannot stand. So uh, Christianity is becoming less and less cool, if you will. Uh, I know, I feel the same way. So less and less cool. Now, there was a time in American history where it was pretty cool, if you will. Most, this was overwhelmingly a Christian nation, without question. Even in the early 70s, uh, there was still a lot of Christianity uh, that's when the Jesus people movement came and so many people were coming to Jesus and it was cool, if you will. They'd had songs about it. Jesus is just all right with me. You know, all kinds of even popular songs. Jesus was hip. He was still cool. We're in a place where that ain't so anymore. They don't think it's cool and they don't like us and they try to make us, particularly Christians, they try to make us sound like crazy people. Uh, and if we believe in these truths that have been around for thousands of years, then we're bad or we're evil or we're nuts. And it makes us sound like Christians are this unique group of psychotic people, especially fundamentalist Christians uh, are really in that category. Uh, but here's the interesting thing about that. All the rules about basic moral rules, do you know they're the same rules in virtually every religion on earth? The same rules. Do not kill, do not steal, do not commit adultery, do whatever the do nots are that we hold up as truth is the same that Muslims believe. I mean, where we all get a difference is how to get there. 
But it's the same rules, same with Jewish believers, same even with Buddhists and on down the line. I mean, I don't know about all the different versions of religions out there, but if there's one thing about all the major religions of the world, and probably of the minor ones as well, too, is they all believe this. For people today to come against Christians, and especially young people, you might feel that push against it as you're growing up. I didn't have that when I was growing up, thank God, but you do. And they're going to try and make you think like you're some kind of unreasonable nut job if you believe in these things. And the truth is, the majority of people in the world throughout centuries, and even to the state, still believe in these basic rules. Where we differ is how to get to God. You understand that? But it's, like, it's not like Muslims think it's okay to go around and cheat on your wife and kill people. You know, uh, the only way they, they say, well, they get violent. Well, they, they make it a righteous thing that, to them as a war. But you can't just randomly kill people and stuff. All, you can't steal from people. <laughs> you steal from people in Saudi Arabia, which, by the way, has a king. <laughs> uh, you don't get a ticket. They cut off your hand. If you shoplift, they will cut off your hand. They're pretty strict. Not a lot of shoplifting going on over there. I got to tell you. Uh, so, you know, but the basic rules are so when anybody attracts you and try to make, don't, don't buy this, oh, we must be a weird group because we believe in rights and wrongs. Like, no, what we believe is pretty much what everybody in the world believes, except for this weird secular religion, I call it, in America today that's pushing hard and fighting the very institutions we talked about in government because they want to be able to push all their agenda on everybody and they do not like dissent of any kind. It's a, it's a crazy time to be alive. Anyway, uh, so here's how grace and truth works out. We don't take the truth, and some Christians have been guilty of this. They take the truth and they beat the snot out of people. And they're brutal to people with it. And the people are shocked by it. We're not supposed to do that. Remember, this is grace and truth. The one does not eliminate the other. How does this work out? Well, let's take a look. Can I kill someone? God's truth says, no. Will God forgive me if I kill someone? God's grace says, yes. Then I can kill people. No. Can I steal? No. Will God forgive me if I steal? Yes. Well, then I can steal. No. On and on. Can I lie? No. Will God forgive me if I lie? Sure. Then I can lie. No. Can I be sexually immoral? That's a big one today. Oh, man. And people today... Like immorality has taken such a hit today. I used to do this radio show, which I don't do anymore because it was driving me insane. And I just couldn't take it. And people would email me questions. Every once in a while we do a little version of it. But uh, uh, what would drive me crazy is how many Christians. I don't have a problem with non-Christians being bad. <laughs> I have a bad And I don't have a problem with Christians being bad. I have a problem with Christians when they think it's okay to be bad. That's what bothers me. Do you understand what I'm saying? So they would email and say, hey, Pastor Mark, you know, my husband, my boyfriend and I really, really love Jesus, and, and, and we, but we have sex a lot, and, and so, you know, and, but they share it like it's nothing. They share nothing. Hi, uh, I'm the pastor at such and such church and, and choir member, and, and I have this friend, you know, we've been having sex for a while, and we want to know, you know, all kinds, they share it like it's nothing. I mean, at least you think there used to be a sense of shame where if you were doing that, you wouldn't tell people. But they tell you, and when you tell them you shouldn't be doing it, they're like, shocked. Shocked. It's like, well, it's okay. No, it's not okay. It would be like someone say, hey, pastor, my, my boyfriend and I are very devout Christians, but, but we kill people. 
well, not everybody. Just, you know, jerks. And then we're careful how we bury them and stuff, you know. It's just... Or, oh, Pastor, you know, we really love Jesus, but, but we steal money from old people. You know, they're really easy. It's, you go in there, you tell them all these lies, and they give you the money. <laughs> we would be mortified, right? Take the list of all these things. But we live in a world today because the sexual immorality has hit such a high level that people share it and shocked if anybody even says, well, well, that's not okay. Again, and then some people say, well, I hate, you hate people that do this. I don't hate anybody. There's a few people I don't like, but I, I don't hate anybody. And I, I, you know, I disagree with some people, but we don't hate people like that, but it's not okay. It's not okay. It's not, you can't say it's okay and it's, it doesn't matter. And it does matter. So, and in this area, it's just gotten out of control. Can I be sexually immoral? The Bible says, no. Will God forgive me if I am? Yes. Well, then I can be. No. And, and this goes on and on. Um, Romans, the fifth, sixth chapter, verse 15. Paul writes this, talking about this very issue that Christians dealt with, have been dealing with for 2,000 years. Uh, he writes, what then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. So they had the same thing. They were thinking, well, God will forgive me of my sin, so let's, because grace comes when we sin, Right? So if we want to really celebrate grace, we should sin more so we have more grace. That's what they said. And I know a lot of people who think this way. And when Paul says, God forbid, that's not the way this works. It's a crazy balance, but it's quite brilliant. And it's wonderful how God does this. Should we do it? No. Will he forgive us if we do it? Yes. Then I can do it. No. Grace never pulls down, lowers the bar. Grace lifts us up and helps us to reach the bar. That's what grace is all about. Today we celebrate that we have a gracious king. And true victory over sin is achieved only when one desires to please the king. It's not by beating people over the head with the truth. Bad, 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 bad. It's not how to get there, despite my friend on the screen there. <laughs> it's not how you get people there. They struggle. They say, There's forgiveness. Make it right. Keep growing in your faith. And it lifts us up. He gives us the power to do what's right, is the point. He doesn't just say, do what's right and leave us on our own. If you try and do this on your own, you will fail. That's why a lot of us fail, because we try to do it on our own. Romans, the seventh chapter, verse 14, Paul's writing about the struggle of wanting to do right and then really trying to do it on his own power. He says in verse 14, Romans 7, 14, we know that the law, the right and wrong, is spiritual. God wrote, established this. But I'm unspiritual. Soul is a slave to sin. He says, I don't understand what I do because he's trying to do it in his own strength. See, that's what happens when you try and just do it. Like, I'm trying to be a good Christian pastor. You know. For what I want to do, I don't do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do, and if I do what I do not want to, to do, a lot of do's there, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it's the sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do. I have to use my finger here because I've just seen doo-doo everywhere. For, <laughs> for I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I don't want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, <laughs> but the sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, the right and wrong, 
But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of of sin at work within me. What a wretched, wretched man I am. And I'm telling you, if you try and do this all on your own, you will be a wretched person. Because all you're going to find out is you're going to fail. Okay? He says, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? He says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus helps us to overcome. He makes it all possible by the power of his Holy Spirit. And we grow in his grace. Now, I've heard a lot of preachers preach this. Yes, thank God for that. I've heard preachers preach this, and they don't get to the who can deliver me. <laughs> they just say, that's the way it is. Do what you don't want to do, and all the other doo-doos, and you're all full of doo-doo, and, and that's just the way it is. No, keep reading. Jesus can set us free from this cycle. Thank God. Why? Because he is a gracious king. Doesn't mean the king should be ignored. Doesn't mean that the king really cares what you think. All right? He has his standards. We're to align to these standards. And he will give us the grace to achieve these standards. He is the gracious king, the king of kings. All hail the king. Everybody said amen. All right. Let us move on to our time of communion together. This is where we celebrate the ultimate source of grace, and that is in the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. He became the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. What does that mean? His body was broken so we could be whole. His blood was shed so that we could have forgiveness of sin. That is what we celebrate when we take communion together. Now, the Bible tells us before we do this, and we do this every week, is to examine ourselves. And it's a time to kind of reset. Look back on your last week. How you doing? What mistakes did you make? Uh, you know, and we all struggle with stuff. Yeah. You know one of my biggest struggles? Can I just confess my sins openly here? It's business people on the phone. Who can't think. Because they're corporate people. And they can't, you know, and they can't think logically. And I get kind of mean sometimes talking to them. I do them I would like to punch. <laughs> and then later I have to ask God to forgive me because I shouldn't be that way. Pray for your pastor. I'm doing better, but I'm still struggling in this area. So this is kind of why I said, Lord, forgive me. I walked into the church this morning going, oh, forgive me, Lord. These people are driving me crazy. And, you know, but with grace is when you can get around people who drive you crazy and you're not going crazy anymore. See, this is where your pastor needs to get. I can love those who drive me insane and love them anyway. Right? All right. Now, we all have various things that we struggle with, some a lot worse than others. Uh, but whatever it is, we come and this is our time. Get it right. Struck, you know, reset. Lord, forgive me for anything that I've done that is not right before you. And then we celebrate together as we take communion and experience this great blessing when we do this. So that's what we're going to do now. I am going to lead us in a prayer. We're going to pray for us. Uh, a prayer of forgiveness and grace in our lives to kind of reset things. And, and, I'm, and seriously, you know, I, I tend to be silly, but the, the reality is we all struggle with different things and some really bad, destructive things. And you say, well, God can't forgive me because I'm really, really bad. It's not just getting mad at people. Uh, I get it. Listen, there's no sin that you've committed that shocks God beyond reason. He's seen it all. He died for the sins of the world. You know what kind of category that is? That's incredible. Yet of all the horrible things people get sucked into, there's forgiveness, there's grace, if we simply will ask 
And that's where people miss it. They don't want to ask. But if we'll stop, pause now. Let's ask God for grace in our lives this morning. Heavenly Father, before we partake of the bread and the cup this morning, in obedience to the scriptures, we pause now to examine ourselves. If we've sinned against you in thought, word, or deed by what we've done or by what we've left undone, if we've not loved you with our whole heart, if we've not loved our neighbors as ourselves, for the sake of your beloved son, Jesus, who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins, the great gracious King, have mercy on us and forgive us of all our sins. Strengthen us in all goodness and by the power of your Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. And as we're all in an attitude of prayer, if you've got some areas that you struggle with, just in your own words, talk to Jesus, confess it to him, ask him for his saving grace to fill your life. And maybe you've never done a prayer like that. Maybe you've never really surrendered your heart to Jesus. If you're listening to me right now at one of our campuses online around the world, uh, just ask Jesus to come into your life right now. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life that I can start to experience this incredible grace from the gracious King. Amen.